Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Israel Soto. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. I'm going to move as quick as I can that we might be able to cover some ground today. We still have a few more services concerning this particular subject. Living our lives to the fullest. How many desire to live your life to the fullest? How many know that it's difficult to live life to the fullest, especially in this time and age right now? We're going through a very difficult time, not only in our nation, but in our personal families. There's a lot of struggling going on, a lot of sickness going on, a lot of politics going on, a lot of confusion, spiritual confusion going on, a lot of challenges and battles. The church has been undergoing and is in the midst of a war. You need to pay attention to these things because this pertains to you. This pertains to your legacy, to your generations to come. This pertains to our walk with God even so today. So we need to pay attention to what's going on today. That we might be prayerful in the presence of the Lord. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 1 and on. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God... And Savior Jesus Christ has received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these He has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind. And has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Everyone says, Amen. Living life to the fullest. Again, I say to you, we're living in very tremendous times. You know what's going on in Hawaii. You know all the ugly conversations that are going on over there. Terrible things. And people are are in such a, a place of confusion. And there's arguments amongst us not even really clearly knowing what's going on. But there's arguments and discourse and discussions about what's going on. And who's being this way and who's being that way. And what should be done. 
And we get so involved with the events and the times of this world that we're living in. And it's good to know about them. The Bible tells us that we should always know those who labor amongst us. We should always know the world that we live in. That we might be prepared against the wiles of the devil. But as a church, we're never supposed to get so involved that we forget our primary purpose in this world. That we are a Christian people. We are sojourners. We are pilgrims that are moving by. There's always a place you can find peace. Ladies and gentlemen, with everything that you see in the news today, everything you read on the internet, everything you're being told by those who have certain phobias and fears going on right now, there's one place that you can always find peace. And that is in knowing that we're not of this world. Think about that for a second. I find great peace in that. It's, it's easy to get so involved with what's going on that all of a sudden now you feel so attached to this world that we live in that whatever happens to it is going to happen to me. But all of a sudden the Holy Spirit, like a gentle wind comes, a gentle memory comes to remind your heart and soul that says, hold on a second. You're taking ownership of this thing. It's not yours. It never was yours. No one gave it to you. Why are you taking possession of it? You see, the confusion that's going on in this world, it's because people think that they own this world. This is why we're in chaos, because the handlers are messing this whole thing up. But even though if the world was perfect and everything was nice and plush, it's still not ours. We're simply passing through. Regardless of how beautiful this world might become in the near future, some people are really expecting a turning of a chapter this coming year for whatever reason you may think. But it doesn't matter if all of a sudden everything, taxes go down and, and gasoline goes down and now a, bread of, uh, a loaf of bread is worth 39 cents again. It doesn't matter. It's still never better than heaven. Our eyes should be on the Lord. Our eyes should be on the fact that you and I are simply passing by this world. And therefore, there is a great concern for us. And I believe in the heart of God that as we think of heaven, we should be doing everything we can to live the excellent life that is required of us. Living life to the fullest. I'm here to tell you this morning that there is a place where we can live in victory. There is a place where you and I can live. There is a manner of living that we can embrace that can make the heart of God glad. There is a manner of life that you and I can embrace that can give us what we expect out of life as well. Living life to the fullest, living a life that is successful is, is simply a matter of taking proper steps. It's a matter of making good choices. The Bible says that God tempts no man. Everything and the repercussions that we face in this world today are because of other two, one or two things. They just come because that's the condition of the world or we've made bad choices. We may not be able to change the rhythm of this world, but we can always do something about bad choices. In the Bible, we have stories of men who made bad choices. 
They lived failed lives simply because of bad choices. Can I just give you a couple of examples this morning as we move forward on this theme? We have someone, a gentleman by the name of Demas. And you'll read about him in Philemon chapter 1 and on, verse 24, if you will. And in this chapter, this man is spoken of or referred to as a fellow prisoner of Christ, along with Paul and Mark and the rest. He had a great testimony. He was known as one of the group. He was one that was identified as those of the way. In Colossians 4 and 14, again, he is considered amongst those that are living as dear friends of everyone who lived their life for Christ. They had a testimony amongst the church. He had a testimony. People knew of him. It's kind of like when we speak of each other. Do you know that? Oh, yeah, brother so-and-so, I know him well. He's a great guy. This was his testimony. But all of a sudden, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, everything changes about him. From he was a lover of Christ and a friend of the Christian and a fellow prisoner willing to suffer for Christ, all of a sudden he's referred to in this particular chapter, 2 Timothy 4 and 10, as a deserter of the faith and the cause of Christ. And the reason behind this simply is because he chose to love the world. His life to the fullest all of a sudden stopped. It was a train wreck. From having a great testimony, being blessed of the Lord, walking alongside with Christ, be, being a part of the church, having a great testimony, friends in the church, all of a sudden he was referred to as a cloud without water. An aimless man. A deserter of the faith. All because... He chose one day to take possession of the world instead of Christ. We have another testimony of a couple of guys, by Hymenius and Alexander, they're called. These men also were men who began to live their lives out for the Lord and had great testimonies. They were a blessing not only to themselves, to others, and to the church. But one day, just like them, Great testimony, great guys, known as the dynamic duo amongst Christians. All of a sudden, now they are referred to as men who lived shipwrecked lives in their faith. 1 Timothy 1 and 18 writes of them, Timothy, my son, I, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by following them you may fight the good fight, holding on to the faith and good conscience. Now some, he says, have rejected these and so have shipwrecked their faith. Among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. Those are scary words. You would think, like, why would Paul did that? You see, it's, it's, it's simple. It, it, it's, it's a very simple thing to see how this could happen, that all of a sudden they walk away from God and they're handed over to be taught a lesson. You see, the devil is always going to come to try to completely destroy you. And this whole idea that you can kind of be in and kind of be out is rubbish. Because if you're in Christ, you're in Christ. If you're not, guess who the opportunity it goes to? There's a, there's a certain uh, there's a pattern of thinking that is sometimes impressed amongst people. And this is why we have so many half-baked Christians in this world. 
Because somehow in the minds of people, they have been trained to believe that as long as you're kind of in. I've said this from this pulpit years ago, and I just remember this in my heart right now. And people were kind of shocked to hear this, but I, I said to the people one time I was preaching, maybe to you if you were here, I said, you know, the devil will take anything you give him. But Jesus will take everything or nothing. People don't like that mentality. Because hey, you don't give me a chance. A chance to what? Humpty Dumpty it? Sit on the wall? Now, is this doctrinally correct, Pastor? Well, read Revelations chapter 3, verse 15 and on. There's no moderacy for God. Well, you can't be a fanatic. Relax. I had someone tell me one time. We were talking and speaking on this particular event that was going to happen, and they wanted to allow certain things to happen at this event. And I said, well, really? You're going to allow that to happen? Well, Pastor, you, you have to live in a life in balance. I said, okay, so you can take communion here and then go get drunk at some ballroom. That's a life of, I mean, you got to give yourself a little slack. When you're on your way to hell, I'll tell you what, the slack will stop and you'll just drop. And, and I know this is not going to vote me in as your pastor, but I'm already on my way out. That's okay. But this whole idea that, you know, you have to have some kind of moderacy. This is exactly what Paul's referring to. Listen, this guy walked out. Guess who's going to take a hold of him now? You can't be a little bit pregnant. Huh? Are you pregnant? Oh, kind of. No, 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 no. You see, and that's what religion is taken as. This is what your walk with God is being taught many times from pulpits behind. Don't ever sit in front of a pew like that. I don't care who's listening over social media. You're a liar and you're fooling people. It's a counterfeit word. It'll lead to a counterfeit God. It'll teach you to walk a counterfeit walk. And so we have here, because of bad choices, these men who decided to walk out. At one time, they walked amongst those that lifted up the name of Jesus. They were counted amongst those, like I said, called of the way. They preached in the city squares, taught in the synagogues. But one day, they decided to walk out. Their choice was to desert their walk with Christ. So now, their testimonies leave behind for us thousands of years later. To describe them as those who sailed the seas aimlessly. Those who shipwrecked their faith. Those who are called deserters. Obviously not friends of Christ. We need to understand, ladies and gentlemen, that bad choices can lead you to detrimental consequences. 
Young people, listen carefully. Bad choices can lead to detrimental consequences. Bad steps in life can lead a man into places where you can risk your life eternally. Today we see it all around us. Look what's happening to the church. Look at all these circles of faith, if you will, that are coming up. Listen to the teaching that's going on right now. You see it happening every day. Preachers falling, good church members getting out of the will of God. It all happens all far too often. Desertion, walking away, apostasy, if you will, shipwrecked people all over the place. All because of bad choices. This, I pray, ladies and gentlemen, would never happen to you or I. This, I pray, would never happen until we see Christ face to face. That we could indeed finish the race. That we might be blessed as we are spoken of as the seed of Abraham. Did you know that you've been called to be blessed? When I speak about abundant living, I'm not speaking a simple run-of-the-mill, make-more-money, prosperity gospel. I'm talking God can bless you in every area of your life. Even if it is finances, God can bless you. If it's physically, emotionally, physically, whatever it is, God can bless you. We are called to be blessed of the Lord. Galatians 3 and 9 says, So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. You and I can be blessed. And so let's make those right choices. In this passage that we read this morning, we are given a few steps and principles that we should emulate and embrace if you want to, again, live that life to the fullest. I remind you again that it says in Scripture, 2 Peter 1.8, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. Ineffectiveness and unproductiveness, ladies and gentlemen, I think can simply mean a life not to the fullest. So we have in 2 Peter chapter 1 the first step. And this I want to speak to you about as we go forward. The first step, the element that will make it possible for you, guaranteed, if you will, in Scripture, that you're going to move forward in life and begin to live a life to the fullest in Christ is to add to your faith virtue. Everybody say virtue. 2 Peter 1 and 5, but also for this reason, giving all diligence Add to your faith. Obviously, it teaches us faith. You must believe in Christ before you can add anything else to anything else. You must first receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It is from there that you build. You can't just build virtue because of virtue. There's nothing good in you in your flesh without Christ that will birth virtue in you. Christ is virtue. So add to your faith that you're believing walk with God. Add virtue. Now, what does this mean? Step into virtue. It means moral uprightness. It means moral excellence. Uh, the word literally means excellent living. Learn to pursue excellence and holiness. In one word, God is telling you and me that if we live according to Scripture and embrace morality in our lives... 
and walk in the realm of absolutes and sureness of Christ and what he demands of us in holiness, there is an absolute guarantee of victory. If you choose to live a life that is sanctified, living a life of overcoming will not be something simply some people hope for. But it'll be something experienced. And so God says to us, trust me. Deposit your faith in me. Be willing to live your life away from sin. Be willing to get away from the impurities that will sever our relationship. Moral purity, ladies and gentlemen, refers to every aspect of our lives. It is required of us physically. It is required of us mentally. And it is required of us spiritually. It must be maintained if we expect to be blessed in our lives. You remember what the Lord said through the mouth of the Apostle Peter, 1 Peter 1 and 16. He said, it is written, be holy. Be holy because I am holy. Now, let me just explain and bring some comfort to us because it seems like we're really climbing straight up here. It's almost an impossible task. But let me tell you that holiness was not something the Lord gave us to simply cause a hurdle in our walk with him. We just read it. He gave us everything. Did we not read that in First Peter right now? Therefore, giving us everything. There's nothing you and I lack, ladies and gentlemen, today that will not help us encourage or keep us living a life of holiness. If we look at Christ and appreciate his life and how he lived his life and we again emulate or we embrace his lifestyle, he represents all that is holiness. Everything about him is holy. And if you want to be like him, that means that every stress and every effort that we have is always conscious that what we do, we do in the name of holiness. Matthew 5 and 8 reads, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Our victory comes as a result of our intimate and uncontaminated relationship with Christ. Let's read out of Psalms 37 and see what it says to us. Consider the blameless. Observe the upright. There is a future for the man of peace, but all sinners will be destroyed. The future of the wicked will be cut off. The salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in Him. God wants us to live a virtuous life. This means in business, this means with our taxes. This means at the store, that means with our wives, it means with our children, it means with our friends, it means in ministry, in every aspect of life. God is expecting us because he gave us all the tools necessary to live a life of virtue.
We can have all the faith in the world. We can read all the Bible in the world. We can do, go to church without missing a service all year. But if you fail to embrace virtue, you annul so much in your life. Holiness. The future will be one of failure, broken dreams, short-lived happiness, if you will. Unproductive and ineffective, all because we lack virtue. Because we don't take time to really do things that are right. Do things that are right. Embrace things. Look at the scriptures and learn from God. How would he have us handle this situation? How do we handle our friends? How do we move about our homes? How do we handle our business? How do we deal with others? Are we living upright and virtuous lives? Or is your testimony like the man we just read about? Because of bad choices you've made and how you've dealt with others and how you walk and how you live your life, do they know you as maybe a swindler or they know you as someone who is unfactual or doesn't tell the truth? There's a lot depending. The testimony of the church. Let me tell you something. The world has a strong opinion of the church. Amen? Can I give us some responsibility? I say give us some responsibility. The world has quite the testimony of the church. A powerful negative testimony of the church. Now it's easy to say simply because you see the devil's at work and he's doing everything against Christ. But I'm wondering myself. And you know I always say these kind of things from this pulpit because it's right. How much of that is our responsibility? How many people have done business with you? Knowing you're a Christian, but they've done business with you. How many people do you know at the workplace that know you're a Christian, but yet they know you're a Christian and they dealt with you? You see how like leprosy, a thing like that, how many pastors have fallen from this pulpit? How many pastors have fallen by the wayside? How many pastors, because of the sake of finances or celebrity or some reason, have taken bad choices and they speak what they speak and all of a sudden the world is looking and now no one has a chance. Someone will not listen to me because I'm just like all the rest. You understand the, 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 the importance of virtue? You understand why God... It demands of us, listen, learn to live holy. I am holy. Jesus did everything he can, he could, to be able to convince the people that he was not of this world. He's not like, he didn't do business like everybody else. And ladies and gentlemen, sometimes we get in so much trouble because we try to do things outside of virtue. Yes? Is that okay? Want me to change the subject? We need to learn this. It's going to be a sad day when you cry out to God and you expect Him to hear you, but yet He hears you not. And somehow the Holy Spirit will remind you of these conversations that we had from this pulpit today and say, listen, have you added virtue to your walk and you want me to respond? Well, I should have, Lord. Yes, you should have. Virtue. The second thing 
I'll give you today, and we'll finish with this. He mentions in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, he said, But also for this very reason, give all diligence to add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge. Knowledge. Everybody say knowledge. The next step to victorious living and living life to the fullest is knowledge. Literally meaning understanding of the truth. And understanding of the truth of God, specifically intelligent, how to live it out. You know, I believe that one of the lost arts in the church today, and again, I'm not, I'm not being insultive and neither I'm pressing or bashing the church. It's just things that need to be addressed. But I believe that Bible reading has completely, almost, if not just by a tiny hair, dwindled out in the church. I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand. I don't want to make anyone lie. If I was to ask you how many read your Bibles in the last 48 hours and you were honest, I know that it would be very few hands. Don't you not know that that's where we find the truth? That's where we find virtue. That's where we find and gain knowledge of his truth. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6. Very commented and, and, and spoken verse in scripture. My people are destroyed from the lack of knowledge. People are dying because of their lack of understanding of God. Lack of knowledgeableness, if you will. They are uninformed on the inside regarding the word of God. Ignorance, ladies and gentlemen. You know what's killing humanity? Ignorance. Stupidity. That's all it is. What's killing our nation? Ignorance. What's killing the world? Ignorance. What will kill a family? Ignorance. What will destroy a relationship between father and child? Ignorance. Ignorance, ignorance, ignorance. It's a killer of many. It holds no bounds. It'll destroy anything. The less you know about something, the more mishandled you'll take it. This is why we have so many denominations in this world. Isn't it funny how you'll see the first church of this and then you'll say the, even the more first church of this? And everybody's com com competing. Well, you have first Baptist, you have second Baptist. No, but then they change it to the first before the first. Everybody wants to move forward but what makes you move forward is your knowledge of God your knowledge of God read the word of God know him how can you know what he expects of you if you don't read about him has never been a time I've said this several times from this pulpit especially because of what's going on today never has there been a time when science and education in all areas in this material world have been so advanced never it's mind-boggling. I remember just, I mean, I've been here for 30 years with you guys. I remember 30 years ago when I did my first graduation service here at Rock of Ages. Now, I'm not saying anything. But I remember the degrees that were, were the graduates, you know, it was just kind of 
still common. We understood what they were, they were going to go and become a, a coach. They were going to do a nursing or something. Now you hear the professions that these young people are pursuing. They're microbiology and now they're going into chemical whatever and now they're splitting atoms and dividing this and the other so intelligent and that's a wonderful thing because we have so many young people here that are university graduates that are phenomenally astute very smart and then you see beyond us and you see the people who govern this country and people that are all involved in, in developing all this AI now that's going on and all this computer stuff and all these things. Phenomenal knowledge. But yet the world is still spiraling down a slippery slope. So we really can't call the world dumb because we live in a very smart nation. We live in a very smart world. But yet, it's a world that is spiraling down to perdition because they lack knowledge in one area. And that is their knowledge of God. What will keep you away from living a life to the fullest is your lack of knowledge of God. We live in the dark ages when it comes to the word of God. I don't have to be a psychic or a fortune teller or a prophet to tell you that this world is headed down a dead-end valley, a dead-end alley. And it's simply because we've etched God out. Church, let, let me appeal to you today. Those of you who are not practicing reading the Word of God on a daily basis, please learn. You're going to find life in that book. You're going to find yourself getting answers. You search forever. Google can't give you the answers. Google can't give you the answers. It's incredible how I heard this. This is really, really true, actually. And I had never thought about this. But they said, you know how we live in a very ignorant society. And they were talking to university graduates. Listen carefully. I'm going off on a tangent, but still has to prove something with knowledge. But they were talking to college students. They said, you know, we think that you're dumb as a rock. And they, how is it possible? These guys are graduates of all these things. He said, where did you get your knowledge? And they said, the Internet. That means you retain no knowledge at all. How many can tell me the phone number of H-E-B? Uh, you work there probably, right? Yeah, oh, he works there, right? But the point I'm trying to make is that, but you've called them before because all you have to do is go to, right? But you don't have that knowledge in your head. It's in a machine, right? So where does that put you? Just a vacant space. <laughs> Nothing in there. You want phone numbers? You lose your phone? You'll jump off a building. You'll forget where you work, what your wife's name is. You'll forget birthdays. You'll forget which way this and the other. But if you want to know what's the population in Houston, all you have to do is quickly, and it'll tell you that many. And that makes you real smart. No, it doesn't. 
It makes you with nothing here at all. And that's the point that we're trying to prove to these students. That they really had no knowledge because they're sitting at a desk trying to figure out some kind of microbiological thing. And all they have to do is push a machine and go like, oh, that's, what, that's a formula. But they know it not. Anybody hear about now the machine that they've got that you can put on your head now? And it hears the, your voice speak. And when they ask you a question, it actually hears you think. And it'll whisper in your ear. A young man was asked, what is the capital of Malaysia or whatever country they want and give me the population of the biggest city in the world. This is the, uh, this is the capital. And the biggest city is this. And it, he couldn't even say the number. He said, one, two, five, comma, eight, two, six, dot, zero, zero, two, nine, eight. And the guy says, correct. He had nothing in his hand except an earpiece. Who's going to go to universities anymore? Just get one of those earpieces and then you'll know everything. Amen? But yet with all of that technology, we're still lost. People are still committing suicide. People are still running off rampant into sin. Families are still getting divorced every second. Young people are still going into drugs. Everything, the whole world is on its way to hell. With all this supposed knowledge. And yet the Bible says, my people are dying because of their lack of knowledge. So what's he referring to, ladies and gentlemen? Is our knowledge of God. Our knowledge of God. How much do you know your Savior? How much do you know about him? Do you know what he demands and requires of you? Do you know what he's willing to do for you? You know how, he, how much he loves you? Do you know? Well, I'll go to Google. But you see, this is not a brain information that you're looking for. This is for heart knowledge. Because one of these days, they're going to control the electric, electronic grid. And every computer is going to go, bam. I'm not going to be able to preach off of my iPad. And I'm going to go, um, how's everybody doing? I had a sermon for you I wrote down and found in Google. But I can't read it anymore, so I don't even know what I'm going to say to you anymore. And that's what's going to happen to every office. That's going to happen to accountants. That's going to happen to lawyers. That's going to happen to great people in this world. That have depended of outside and never. And that'll happen when it comes with God. When you fail to fill your heart with knowledge with God. How do we get that, Pastor? You've been given a beautiful book. And he was so kind to write his testimony to let you know page by page, word by word, step by step, all you're supposed to know. All you need to know for abundant living. You know why people aren't saved today? Because they don't know that God wants to save them. They don't know what salvation can do for them. They've never read it. But I know exactly what salvation would offer me. And I will do my best. And I pray that you do the same. Everything you can. Never to lose that salvation. 
never to walk away, never to shipwreck your faith. We want to live abundant and full lives in the Lord. Then let us embrace virtue. Let us embrace knowledge. Let us embrace these things today. That we might be able to walk our walk that is pleasing unto the Lord. Would you stand to your feet with me? How have you been handling your business today? And I mean not your business business, but your business about life. The problems that you've been having, the situations you've been having. How have you been handling them? Have you been going to counselors? Maybe you've been buying 12-step help books. Maybe you've been talking to friends. Have you ever asked God to give you knowledge on how to handle that? I promise you he has the answer. Let us be willing to ask. I want to live the best life that I can. And I know that it's not an impossible task because we've been given everything. Everybody say, he gave me everything. He gave me everything. He gave me everything. I have everything I need to be able to live a successful and blessed life. I'm not talking about riches and overflowing wealth. I'm not talking about this thing. I'm talking about the satisfaction of heart to be happy. To know that you lack absolutely nothing because your heart is fulfilled. You're happy at home. You're happy with your children. You're happy at church. You're happy at work. You're happy. You find peace in your heart because you have knowledge. You're doing everything. You know you're confident and you can pray before the Lord because you know that you live your life with everything that you can to live a life that is virtuous. Let's embrace virtue, ladies and gentlemen. Let's let people begin to gossip about us and say, you know that church? There's a lot of good people in there, man. Virtuous people. You talk to people from Rock of Ages, you can tell they're from there because their hearts are good, man. And when they ask you about Jesus, forget Google. Go to the files of your heart. Get knowledge of the Lord, how he works. Stop the hearsay. You know, someone said that God, what if that someone was lying to you? Well, I heard it on the radio. You don't even know the guy on the radio. Well, I read it in this magazine. Who wrote the magazine? You don't know who it was. God is looking for someone who is willing to embrace heart knowledge of him. This is why we sing that song, I want to know you. I want to know you, Lord. I need personal knowledge. Remember that woman by the well that Jesus walked up to? He spoke to her and spoke life into her and spoke to her about not only her past but her future and all these things. And she ran into the city to tell everybody that she had met Jesus. And soon enough, after she had told everybody, the people began to say, listen, it's enough. You told us enough. We want to meet him ourselves. Where is this man? Man, yeah, you, you need to. This guy told me everything. He knew exactly where I am. He knew exactly where I went. He, what I've been through, he knows. This guy is awesome. He's awesome. He knows everything. And they were excited about her testimony. But soon enough, they said, enough. I believe that God is waiting for us to say enough. Enough, Pastor. I want to meet him myself. I want to know this Savior. I want to know this Jesus. I want to know that truth. I want to know what he's got for me. 
Uh, your testimony is great, and I am so glad that he's done this for you, and I'm glad he's healed you from this, and I'm glad he's provided you, but I want to know, I want my part of Jesus here too. But you have to be hungry for that. You have to be willing and wanting of that. You have to be desirous of that knowledge of God. You see, only the thirsty will be quenched. Only the thirsty will be satisfied. Only the hungry will be fed. You've heard this from this pulpit many times. Are you thirsty? And are you hungry? Just here for a nibble today? Or did you come to get full of God? Come here for a little sip today? Because you were just growing a little chapped at the lips. Just a little sip. Or did you come to drink to the full? See, there are rivers of living water in this house today, ladies and gentlemen. Rivers of living water in this place. More than just a song. More than just a man speaking to you of his word. There are living waters that God can pour upon your life today to satisfy you. Whatever it is that you need in your life, God can provide. Whatever brokenness he can heal. Whatever dissatisfaction you have, God can satisfy. But you must thirst and want for him. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.